This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, we've been instructed here to, to, to live by faith, to walk by faith. And so we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And what you'll find out is that everything in God's kingdom is activated by faith. So we can say this about faith. Faith is the currency in heaven. So what is faith? It's the word of God. I'm going to give you several definitions for faith tonight. But one of the great ones is faith is a byproduct of the word of God. Again, if you get the word of God, you're going to get faith. If you got faith, it's because you got into the word of God. Because Romans 10, 17 again says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more I hear the word of God, the more faith is going to come. And so it's very powerful that when I hear the word of God, I begin to speak it and I speak it. Then I hear it and I hear it and I speak it. And it keeps going in that cycle right there. And so I keep marinating myself in the word of God. And God begins to move. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. One translation says we live according to the truth of the word of God. Another translation says we regulate our lives by faith or by the word of God. And so when you begin to look at this again, when he talks about it, he says we walk by faith and not by sight. We could fill that in and say... We walk by what the Word of God says, or we live, we regulate our lives by what the Word of God says, and not by sight. Now, when he talks about sight here, he's talking about appearance, the things we see. And so what you find out with the kingdom of God, I can't be moved by what I see. Just because what I see, or the appearance of something, it doesn't change what the Word of God says. And most of us, as human beings, whatever we see... We begin to talk about. We say, did you see that the other day? And we begin to say, well, this is what it was. And so when I begin to get into the word of God and I begin to see the word of God, many times that's what I begin to speak. Now, when he says we walk by faith and not by sight, that verse is cross-referenced to Hebrews 11 verse 1, which says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we live in this physical realm where I can look out there and I can see each one of you. I can see the different colors of clothes you got. I can see some of you have glasses on and on. That's the physical realm. But there also is a spiritual realm that I believe is just as real and just as active as this physical realm. Now, to show that to you biblically, go back into the Old Testament to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter number 6. And as you're going there, we can call it possibly the the invisible realm. Another dimension. I'm just going to say, how many many of you in here have ever seen angels before? Raise your hand. There's several of you have. I've never seen angels yet with, with my eyes. I've never seen that. But just because I can't see them with my physical eye doesn't mean I don't believe in them. I, I believe in angels. Just like Jesus. Let me ask you something. How many in here believe in Jesus? Should be unanimous. 
How many of you have ever seen Jesus? Maybe some of you have. I know there are a few people that have seen Jesus. I've never seen Jesus, but I still believe in Jesus. So again, I'm giving you ways that, that faith works just because I can't see it in the natural. Again, I've used this analogy before. How many of you have ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind, and I saw it really good today. The sky became out, but I never really saw the wind, but I saw the effects of it. So again, this is similar to how faith... Now watch this story. This, this passage is incredible. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse number 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servant saying, My camp will be in such and such place. So literally what he's doing, he's getting ready to go to war with Israel. And he's saying, this is where our base camp is going to be. And he's telling all his servants that. And the man of God, who was Elisha, he sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. So the man of God, Elijah, he begins to hear, he begins to hear what, what the Lord is, or the, the Syrian army is saying, and he goes to the army of Israel and he says, Listen, don't go near this place because this is where they're encamped about. This is where they're going to be. Verse 10. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. And so he, he was like a spy for the army of Israel. And he would go up there, and he would watch the Syrians. He watched everything they were doing day after day. He was beginning to say, hey, this is their strategies. Verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he figures out, someone in our camp, or he thinks it is, he's a traitor. Someone's a snitch. we got to think in the camp. He, he tells them everything that we're doing. Who in our camp is it? Verse 12. But one of his servants said, None. My Lord, O King, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> this is great. So can you imagine the look on the king of Syria's face? Because in those days, they, they weren't bugging rooms. They didn't have cameras where they could watch everything. And so the king's probably looking at him like, so everything I'm saying in the bedroom, the king of, of, of God is telling this man of God named Elisha everything we're doing. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. He knows everything we're, gear, we're getting ready to do. Verse 13. So the king of Syria said, go and see where Elisha is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, when he says he's going to surely go and get him, he's not going there to celebrate and have a party for him. He's wanting to eliminate Elisha. Now, watch what he does. Therefore, he sent horses, plural, and chariots, plural, and a great army there. And they came by night, and they surrounded the city. Now, I want you to think about this. He finds out that Elisha's man, he's given the Israel army all the information they need. And so he says, we're going to Dothan and we're going to get him. 
So he has his army, and it's a great army. It's a multitude. Some of it likened to a, a plague of locusts. There was that many. There were so many of them that they completely surrounded the city at night. And so they're getting ready to get him the next day. Verse 15. But when the servant of the man of God, his name was Gehazi, when the servant of the man of God arose early and he went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And he said to a servant to him, what shall we do? He said, Master, what shall we do? Now understand what's going on here. This servant's boy name was Gehazi. Gehazi got up at dawn and his job every day was to go out and fetch water. So he gets up that morning, he goes out and he's fetching water. And he looks and thinks that the sun is just coming up. And he starts looking out there and he realizes we're in trouble. Everywhere he can look and see is the army of the Syrians. And so he says to Elijah, what are we going to do? Literally, he said, we're fixing to die, buddy. Verse 16. So Elijah answered Gehazi and he said, do not fear for those who are with us or more than those who are with them. Now, that is cross-referenced into to Romans 8, uh, verse 31 that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, everyone else might as well be. So, Elisha, he tells Gehazi, he said, Hey, buddy, those who are, are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, can you imagine the little Gehazi, the little servant boy? He looks at Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, and thinks, You're crazy. What have you been smoking? I went out this morning and I saw we're surrounded by this great army that it's it's like a plague of locusts. There's so many of them. And you say those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And literally he's basically thinking to Elisha, you haven't seen what I've seen. But Elisha on the other side is thinking, you hadn't seen what I've seen. Now watch his prayer here. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now, we can stop right there for a minute. We can think, why did he ask him to open his eyes to see? Because he's already seen that army. He's the one who came back and told me. But that's not what Elisha was referencing. Elisha was literally saying, Open his spiritual eyes. Let him see into the spiritual realm. Let him see in, 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 into this dimension. He prayed. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. And so when I look at this, I begin to think, okay. What did Gehazi see? He began to see this mountain full of the angels. He began to see it full of the things of heaven. Horses and chariots of fire. Now, what's interesting about this is they had already been there. It wasn't like those chariots of fire had just shown up. 
Because we go back and we look in verse 16. And Elisha had said to him, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are, are, are against us. So again, when his spiritual eyes opened, guess what? He saw another dimension. He saw a realm called the faith realm or the spiritual realm. It's real, guys. It's real. Just was to him. And so there's a prayer there in the book of Ephesians says that the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. God wants to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. So I begin to see through the eyes of faith. And the eyes of faith are seen through the Word of God. So when I read the Word of God, guess what the Word of God begins to do? It begins to paint a picture. I begin to see things. And I begin to understand it because of the Word. Now go with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And as we're turning to Mark 11, this is a passage that the Lord Jesus, he talks over and over again. But in, in Mark 11, verse 22, he challenges disciples and he said, fellas, you got to have, have the God kind of faith. you got to have the God kind of faith. Now, I believe he's speaking that to me and you to this day, too. And so watch how Jesus describes the God kind of faith. Mark 11, verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, that would be me, you. Whoever, and that would be me, you're a whoever, says to the mountain, Be thou removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, according to Mark eleven twenty-three, 23, based off of Mark eleven twenty-two, when he said to have the God kind of faith, there were two elements to faith in this verse. The first one was, was, was believing, and the second one was speaking or saying. So in order for me to operate in the God kind of faith, it's going to come down to believing and speaking. So what is faith? I believe faith is believing and speaking. What am I believing and speaking? It's the Word. So I've made a decision to believe what God said, and then I begin to say what I decided to believe. And so every time you see the word of faith, you can replace it in your mind with believing and speaking. Now the question goes back, what am I believing and speaking? Do I believe the circumstances? Do I believe what I see? Because if I'm, I'm believing the circumstances, that's what I'm going to say. So when he says, uh, whosoever will say unto the mountain, understand this. You're either speaking to the mountain or the mountain speaking to you. And when the mountain's speaking to you, the mountain's going to tell you. It's going to determine the things in your life. But he tells us as believers, you can speak to the mountain. You begin to say to it. So I get the word of God and I begin to say what God's word said to it. Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. Now literally stated, Mark eleven twenty four would be the prayer of faith. And anytime we pray, think about it. It's faith. You're asking God to do something. And so you're believing and trusting. So when we look at this right here, he said, when you pray. When you pray. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray. And when you pray, what am I supposed to do? Believe that you receive them. Not before I pray, not after I pray, but he said specifically when you pray. 
So when I pray, my faith is going to be released. Remember, faith is right now. So when you look at this verse right here, there's always perimeters to this. There's always guidelines. And so the first one is, note, who's speaking here? This was Jesus. Second of all, he said, whatever things you ask. Now, sometimes that'll blow our theology right out of the water right there. Because oftentimes people are told, you don't ask. But it's interesting, the Lord Jesus said, whatever things you ask. Look what he goes on to say. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, to help you with whatever things you ask, the King James, it says specifically, what things soever ye desire. Who is ye? It's you. So again, he's telling us, whatever things you desire. So whose desire is being considered here? He didn't say God's. He said your desire. Woo, that's good. Keep reading. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Who is to believe? I am. But I haven't seen. Well, it's based on the Word of God. Again, the Word of God becomes my title deed. Now, when he uses the word there in the King James, it says, whatever things ye desire. I, I want you to go with me to the book of Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37. And just uh, verse 4. As you're turning to Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Understand this. God doesn't change His mind, okay? God's faithful. Verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. You want to see something interesting in that verse? The word desires is plural. God desires to give us the desires of our heart. That's what he said. But it's interesting that he qualified desires with the word delight. He said, delight yourself also in the Lord. So delight myself in the Lord, it's to his experience, his joy, and to experience his fellowship. In other words... To delight ourselves in the Lord, God wants us to hang around Him. God wants us to fellowship with Him. God wants to experience Him. Now, He said that when you delight yourself in the Lord, that He'll give you the desires of your heart. So, how more can I delight myself in the Word or the Lord? How do I do that? Well, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. I want you to see how, how the Word of God will keep you balanced, okay? The Word of God will keep you from asking things that would be crazy to ask. John 15, I encourage you to read John 15 starting in verse 1. But for time's sake, I'm just going to read verse 7. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. There's that word desire again. You will ask what you desire. And it shall be done for you. Now if you'll note again, these are red letter words. And so it's interesting that Jesus said that, that when I pray, and I pray by faith, 
the things that I ask will be done for us. But again in this passage, he qualifies what he's saying, and he uses the word abide twice. So now we have to understand what the word abide in. The word abide means to, to live in, to dwell in. The one I like the best, it says, to take up residence in. So let's read it that way. If you take up residence in me, and my words take up residence in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be for you, or you'll have what you desire. So when I begin to look at this, for me to abide in Jesus to take residence, and his word to take residence in me, the things that I begin to ask him are going to be based on the word of God. I'm going to be able to say, this is what the Word of God, the Word of God's abiding in me. And so what we do is we go back and we keep feeding on the Word of God. I abide in the Word of God. And so then when I begin to go to God in prayer, you know what I can say? This is what this verse says. You said this in your Word. And again, he said, if you abide in my Word. So one of the great secrets of, of the prayer of faith is I go back and I find out what the Word of God says. And when I find out what the Word of God says, that's what I pray. I said, Father God, I thank you that you said in Colossians 1.13 that you delivered me out of the power of darkness. And so now, I'm not only in agreement with His Word, I'm in agreement with Him. So you can always go back and you can find scriptures, and that scripture again is my title deed. So I begin to say, okay, Father God, I thank you for the Word of God in this area. So just briefly right now in the area of your life, is there areas that you have a desire? Well, begin to find Scripture. So you know what that means? You're going to have to get in the Word. Get in the Word. Start digging in the Word. And you'll be find promises. And then when you find those promises, man, I can go to God and say, man, this is what your Word said, Father God. And so again, you know what I begin to understand? The desires of my heart are the desires of His heart. You know, in 3 John 2, the, the, the Apostle John said this. He said, above all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So I begin to think about that. You know, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So guess what that tells me? God wants me to prosper in every area of my life. And, and when we talk about the word prosper, the word prosper doesn't mean you're going to win the lottery, okay? The word prosper is not always rooted in money. I mean, most of the time when we talk about prosper, but he said that you prosper and be in health. So guess what? I can begin to say, I thank you, Father God. You want me to prosper. I, I thank you, Father God. You want me to be in health. And that my soul prospers. You know what your soul is made up of? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And so God wants you to prosper in every venue of your life. But again, the way I find that out is I get a hold of what the Word of God said and I realize this is God's thought. This is God's desire for me. And so again, when you go to God in prayer, Believe that you receive. So we go back, and this is what we'll end with tonight. Mark eleven twenty four. he said, Whatsoever things you ask, you ask, 
When you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, none of us in here desire to be sick. None of us in here desire to be broke. None of us in here desire to to be in strife in areas of our life. So why do we pray those things? So again, i got to get a hold of the Word of God. And the way he, His laws all operate, everything He does is off of His Word. So anytime I can find Scripture, I can always tell the devil it's finished. I've got the title deed right here. It says, it says, it says. And, and, and the way I'm basing that right now is the Lord Jesus said this, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you know what he was saying? You're going to have to have some bread. You're going to have to eat on a daily basis. But you're also going to have to feed on the Word of God because man doesn't live by bread alone. So you know what he's telling me? Without the Word of God in my life, I'm going to starve spiritually. I'm going to be bankrupt spiritually. So we go back to one of my favorite sayings. Miss Milglesworth said, We feed our natural man this body right here, three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're malnourished spiritually. So you know what he's saying? i got to get in the Word. Get in the Word. Have an appetite for the Word. That's why it's important for you to get in the Bible where you read the Bible. That's why it's important that you underline Scriptures. You take notes. You write them down. I'm telling you, when there's words or Scripture that are saying, and you write them down. Write them down. And then file them. File them in your heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.